What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. She is Michelle Majuk from NFL Network. What's up, Michelle? Hi there. We survived this terrible Thursday night game. Uh, it wasn't so bad. To... Yeah, I mean, it was pretty bad watching Daniel Jones and Taylor Heineke out there just... I mean, Heineke just throws up those little like floater balls. And luckily, uh, McLaurin is so good that he's going to catch them. Uh, But besides that, it it was pretty brutal. Daniel Jones is just the most inconsistent quarterback, I think, in the NFL. Like one second, he'll make a beautiful looking play. And then the next 12 plays are disgusting. You know, it's funny. I really was like singing the praises of the Washington defense before the year started. And so far through two weeks, I've been like, maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. Maybe the Niners do have, you know, a top three defense in the NFC. Well, we'll get into that as well. But Washington, definitely. I was I was shocked by them because, you know, Justin Herbert tore them up. Not so much scoring, but he was able to do kind of whatever he wanted, uh, like until they got to the red zone. But that was Justin Herbert. So I was like, maybe he's just that good. But when you see Daniel Jones able to move the ball against them, then it's like, okay, maybe their defense is not at all dominant like we thought it would be. If you are new to the show, this is our fantasy slash gambling preview that we do every Friday. If you haven't subscribed, please do so to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate it. There's a lot to get to, Michelle. We've got the whole Brandon Ayuk saga, which I have been on all week long. I have been basically like yelling at Kyle Shanahan and yelling at the 49ers press corps for what I feel like is like not asking obvious questions. We've got yet another major injury for the 49ers as Dre Greenlaw goes down. That defense is, is really taking some hits early. And of course we've got our prop bets and our nuke block as well. I sense you're a little fired up about this Brandon Ayuk thing though. So we could start there. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, Kyle Shanahan is making me so mad because this is what he does to players. They they get an injury and all of a sudden they go to his doghouse and it's, it's like impossible to get out and he's so stubborn. And then may, I brought it up to you. Maybe this is why the 49ers see so many like serious injuries because they rush back because Kyle Shanahan can't handle them missing any time and he threatens them with losing their job. And so they rush back and they have, then they get a serious injury that takes them out for the entire year. Come on, get out of here. I know Trent Sherfield looked good in the preseason. He's made some good plays, but two receptions for 23 yards. You're telling me Brandon, now you can't go out there and do that. Yes, he can like, cool. He got the touchdown. It wasn't that hard. Uh, Anybody I, could I have just, gotten that touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brandon Ayuk out there would have gotten that same exact touchdown. I, I'm not impressed. And Brandon Ayuk is a star in this league, I think. And if Kyle Shanahan really ruins him, I'm going to be very angry watching this team all year. That's the weird thing. It's like he went out of his way to punish Brandon Ayuk, to yeah. not get him a target. Like, we know Kyle can scheme things open for guys. He does it constantly, yet... And then call him out in the media, like... You, you could have just said he's dealing with an injury. He'll be back. Like once he's fully healthy, we'll get him out there more. That's what I said on yesterday's show. That was my biggest problem with this whole thing. Kyle could have gone either direction would have been fine. He could have said, look, we think Sherfield has outplayed Ayuk. Okay. You know, like that happens. Maybe that was a thing. Uh, you know, there were some drops from Ayuk. I had heard that he kind of took his foot off the gas at the end of training camp. Maybe that's true. Or Shanahan could have gone the other direction and said, the in, he had a setback with the injury. He's not quite right. But he didn't do that either. Instead, he said, 
Well, Trent kind of passed him out, but also IUK had a, a hamstring injury, but also we're going to throw him back there to return punts. Like none of it makes any sense. He had two options there and he took neither one. Yeah, exactly. And if he was really injured, then why was he back there returning punts? Like I felt like this whole thing was weird. And then the offensive coordinator came out to say like, oh, he's a full goal this week, but he wasn't last week. So, you know, he'll, he'll be fine, which I do think he'll, he'll be fine. Um, I'm still going to plug him into my fantasy lineups, but that was brutal having him in last week. I mean, getting zero points from a guy that you're expecting to do very well. Hopefully he will get some targets in this game. I mean, Brandon, Ayuk held his own last year when George Kittle and Devo Samuel were both out. He was able to beat all of the top coverage because defenses really had to just focus on him. Like you can't tell me that guy who was your number one dude last year, who put up, fantastic performances as a rookie it's just all of a sudden not even worth targeting that's silly so you're not buying the Trent Sherfield is better uh line from Kyle no not at all he's not better at him in anything ever <laughs> no I'm not, I don't know not how their ping pong it. games stack up or anything like that but uh, here's the interesting thing you know as I was searching for props for this game there are no Brandon Ayuk props that you can bet on receptions yards touchdowns nobody knows what they're gonna do with this guy because he could come out and and kill it now we'll get into this way more it's like are the is the eagles defense actually good like is their secondary actually good or did the falcons just fall apart you know this whole team could have issues against that defense we don't know yet either and i think that's a whole other question like there's so many question marks around brandon Ayuk if he is out there more is the coverage good? We'll have to see. But I'm willing to take a bet if they do put Ayuk's numbers out there. And, you know, if it's at like 50 receiving yards, I would take that that bet over, I think. Oh, I feel I feel gross. Well, I like last week, what was I saying? Like, oh, the, the over-under for catches for him for the game was three and a half. And I was screaming like, how could he not have four catches in the game? He didn't even have a target. So that well, just shows you my Vegas advice. Know this? How does Vegas know these things? They don't have all those casinos and fountains up there because they get it wrong. Logan Thomas, whatever it was, his over and under was perfectly spot on. I think it was 45 and a half and he got 45. I'm like, (laughs) how? How do they know? It's so creepy. It is freaky how it's that close. Like They're so good at they don't just get it right. They get it right down to the half yard. Teach me your ways. Like I want to know how you just exactly... Always guess correctly. So let's just look at the game as a whole before we get into some individual player stuff. Niners are favored by three, and the over-under for the game is 49, which I feel like is is kind of low. It's I was high. a little surprised. You think it's oh. high? We just went totally different. Yeah, I think this will be a low-scoring game. Or, I don't know, I guess 49 is fair. I could see it being, though, like a 21-16 to 16 type game. I think both of these defenses will keep the other offense in check. And I do think there'll be some, you know, some touchdowns. I don't know. I think 49 is fair, but I might take the under there. I never feel comfortable betting the under. Like, I don't know. I I never bet unders. I never bet. Yeah. Like something about it. Like every time they score, I get a bad feeling. I want to be happy when touchdowns are scored. Um, I'm worried that Jalen Hurts is just going to run around and do whatever the hell he wants out there. The 49ers defense has not been good against mobile quarterbacks. Now, I know it's a new defensive coordinator, so I'm interested to see what D'Amico Ryans does. But we saw Jalen Hurts run around against Atlanta. He runs 
he scrambles when he needs to. He looks to extend plays to throw. I, I think he's getting comfortable in that offense. And I, I'm worried that the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball offensively where I think the Niners have the advantages. I think the Niners offense is really going to be going to be strong in this one. I, I'm higher on the 49ers offense now than I was even at the beginning of the year. I think they could have a, a top three offense in the league. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo did his thing. He looked good. 68 completion percentage, 314 yards. A big chunk of those came, obviously, on Devo Samuel's big pass or big reception, which is kind of like a broken down play. But Devo can do that, right? He's so good after the catch. Garoppolo averaged 12.6 yards per attempt. Most in the NFL, this is exactly what he does because he averaged the most in the NFL in week one, but only had one deep attempt all game. And it was that Devo Samuel pass. And he was one of just two starting quarterbacks to only have one deep pass attempt. Everyone else had two or more. And actually the other guy was Jalen Hurts. So this is exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo does. Like he he's super efficient because of his playmakers around him make, make him better. But he, he did what he needed to do. And he, he looked good after that fumble. Oh yeah. First snap of the <laughs> year. First. Yeah, I was screaming. Obscenities. Oh, like, I can't imagine you because <laughs> you're so against them starting Jimmy Garoppolo and you're like, he turns over the ball too. And then the first play of the game, I was like, stats has to be flipping out. Yep. I absolutely was like, mother, <laughs> first we opportunity. Said, we said that's what they couldn't do, right? Because we're like, yep. this is the only way they lose the game if, if they do a, a bunch of stupid things. And the very first play, you're like, oh goodness, it's starting. But they they got it together. You know, they didn't let that ruin them. And it ended up being just fine. And he got bailed out because the defense stopped him and they missed the field goal. And, yeah. you know, it didn't come back to haunt him. Like, that's a, a factor in these things, too. If they go and score a touchdown, then the 49ers are down. Like, it all it all works together. But luckily, it worked out for the 49ers. Um, just overall question for you, for fantasy. How much do you factor in what happened last week, right? Like, we didn't have any information. We were all speculating coming into this week. Now we have a week's worth of information. Do you factor that in a lot going forward? Or are you kind of like, well, I'm sticking with my initial thought until I have more data? Yeah, so it'll depend. So if I loved a guy in the offseason and he killed it, like Jalen Hurts, then yeah, I'm <laughs> going to take week one into consideration. Um, if I, you know, really liked a guy, he kind of struggled, like, Aaron Rodgers, I'm not worried about his week one. He's going right. to come out in week two against the Lions, and I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the week in fantasy. Like, So I'm not going to let week one determine me that way. Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game in week one and was okay for fantasy. You know, Trey Lance stole one of his touchdowns, but I don't want to start him in this game. Like the, the appeal was he's going against the Lions. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo can't have a good game, but you just don't have to start him. You have to, like, you have other options. So, and Trey Lance, I love what they're doing with him, bringing him in near the goal line and letting uh, him doing his thing. I hate what they're doing well, with him. I hate what they're doing with him when he just comes in, like from the, in between the twenties, like just rush and does nothing. That's stupid. But I love him coming in once they get near the goal line and then defenses are like, okay, he could run or throw. And then it becomes more confusing and you see an easy touchdown to Sherfield in that way. And that's what's going to happen. So I think that's even hurts Jimmy Garoppolo more, but no, I don't take week one into consideration too hard. Uh, I, I still stick with my off-season thoughts there. Um, unless your name's Zach Moss and you came and be active, then, you know, I got <laughs> to I I move on. <laughs> so 
everybody likes to think that they they have a system, right? Or I, I figured something out. I've figured out some advantage. This was what popped into my head about Jimmy Garoppolo. I wonder if you can make money fading Jimmy Garoppolo because one, Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball in the red zone, and two. Trey Lance, like I look right now, Jimmy Garoppolo's over under for touchdowns is one and a half in this game this week. I almost wonder if you just consistently take the under on Jimmy touchdowns between Lance's action and running the ball. Like how many is Jimmy really going to get? Yeah. And Matt Ryan, he had zero touchdowns last week. This is what's so hard about predicting what the 49ers are going to do, because as much as I am hating on Kyle Shanahan on today's podcast, like he is very smart. And it doesn't really matter the defense he's going against. He's going to get guys open. So, and one of those guys just has to break free and do their thing after the catch, which we know Devo's amazing at that. Kittle's amazing at it. Brandon Ayuk is also good at it if he just gets a chance. And then the the running game, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who there's going who they're going against, who's in the backfield. They're just going to be great. We have to get to Raheem Mostert. What in the world is wrong with, with the 49ers? But uh, yeah, I'm fine taking the under on Jimmy Garoppolo to like one and a half passing touchdowns, you said? Yep. Yeah. Raheem Mostert waited all off season, come back healthy, played four snaps this year. Two carries for 20 yards. Like he was going Looked to have great. a fantastic game. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. But also I'm confused because on his second carry, it looked like he jumped up excited and was like, oh, like excited that he got another 10 yard gain. And then is that when he got, like, when did he get hurt? I'm not sure. And that uh, Kyle Posey actually asked me the same thing. He's like, I rewatched the game and I, I don't see anything. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if it's the kind of thing where, you know, he didn't feel it right away. I've never heard of that injury too. a cartilage chip. I didn't even know you could chip off a piece of your cartilage. Um, but I also only didn't. Brandon, or only Raheem Mostert. Right. I also didn't notice um, the Dre Greenlaw. They said John Lynch said on KMBR that he aggravated the injury on his pick six. And he, I mean, he gives no sign. He looks like he's happy as hell after that thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, these guys are good at, they have had so many injuries now that they're good at hiding it. Like what is going on? Because just in that game, then you had three massive injuries and Javon Kinlaw is also dealing with injuries and Eric Armstead and De- like so many injuries just off one lost your top corner with Jason Verrett. It was one game and it was a game that you're kind of like blowing them out as well. So it wasn't even like that tough of one. I need to know what is going on in the 49ers facility because other teams don't have these issues year after year after year after year. Think about this. It's week two, right? And the 49ers are going into this game probably down both starting corners, a starting linebacker. Your starting defensive tackle in Javon Kinlaw is probably not going to be there. Your starting running back is probably not going to be there. It's week two. (laughs) What the hell is going on? And you're right, by the way. It is not just a one-year issue. In fact, if you go back and look under the Kyle Shanahan leadership, the regime, they were the most injured team in the league last year, sixth most injured in 2019, fourth most injured in 2018, and 10th most injured in 2017. So it is not just a one-year thing. They fired the training staff. They hired a new training staff. I don't know what it is, but it's so frustrating. Is it Kyle Shanahan not allowing them time to fully recover? I don't know. When they have minor injuries. Injuries are supposed to be kind of fluky. Like that's just the nature of the thing. And when you change your training staff and you change some of the players – 
Kyle Shanahan remains one of the constants there. I think at some point you have to at least look at that as a possibility because if everything else is changing and he's the only thing that stays the same, like what else can you pin it on? And so Raheem Mostert's gone for the year, which is a big deal. But at the same time, Elijah Mitchell looked great. Now it was against the Lions defense who, you know, they were one of the worst against the run last year. And I would imagine they will be again. They didn't really change anything up. But he looked really good. He's only 201 pounds. I don't know if he's going to be able to carry the workload. I know Raheem Mostert was small too, but we saw him get hurt every five seconds. <laughs> right. Trey Sermon was inactive. Obviously, we would believe he'd be active this week, right? Who do you think gets the bulk of the carries? Mitchell had 19 carries. That's a that's a lot. He did he did his thing. Who gets the bulk of the carries this week? I don't think there's going to be one guy that gets, I think he's going to split it evenly actually between three, between Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Jermichael Hasty. They gave a lot of love to Jermichael Hasty. Um, I think that I would say probably 10 carries for each one of those guys is what I would expect. Um, Hasty only had one carry last week. And it was a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he does, right? They get, you could not depend on any single guy getting the touchdown because yep. how many times did Jeff Wilson come in last year and steal touchdowns away from Mostert? And then you have Lance now that could come in and steal. It's going to be hard to trust any of these guys in fantasy. Elijah Mitchell was everyone's favorite pickup this week for fantasy because of how good he looked, which is totally fair. I, I think it's going to be a bit hard to trust any of them. And like they're not used in the passing game. That's what makes it extra hard. So they need to get that touchdown. Right. It's going to be risky starting any of them. Here's the other problem, too. And this could end up being a factor in who gets more carries. With Raheem Mostert gone, all the running backs are pretty inexperienced. And when that really shows up is in pass protection. And if you go back and look, Jermichael Hasty whiffed on three pass protection attempts, including the one at the end of the game where Debo caught the ball and fumbled. He whiffs and Jimmy Garoppolo makes a great play to avoid the rush and keep the play alive. Elijah Mitchell also whiffed on a couple. Like they may start to give the carries to just the person that can actually chip some of these blockers because they need to be able to rely on that. And they don't have that guy on the roster right now. My co-host on the Gold Standard podcast said maybe they just keep Kyle Juszczyk back there as a pass blocker because he seems to be the only one that can do it. Yeah, we'll see if Trey Sermon can. He's clearly the biggest back, you know, that they have. Hopefully he can keep off some of those defenders. I don't think he was asked to do it all that much in Ohio State. So Mm -hmm. he's going to be, you know, inexperienced as well. I think they should give the shot to Trey Sermon to be the lead back. But with Elijah Mitchell definitely brings the speed that they need in this offense that they're used to with Raheem Moster. Kind of switch them in and out that way because – you got to keep these guys healthy. If one more of these players go down, then you're looking at, you know, you're going to be looking at what the Ravens are doing right now, bringing in a Freeman or a Le'Veon Bell. Like you don't want to be in that situation. And the Niners just picked up Trenton Cannon, who was on the Ravens, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Like you need a running back and you're going to Baltimore. Like, I don't know if that's the smartest decision. Yeah, He couldn't even make it on Baltimore. It's probably not, probably not going to work out. Right. But, you know, look at what the 49ers did in 2019. Raheem Mostert didn't start a single game in 2019. Still a massively important player, made a huge contribution. Maybe that's what the 49ers do with Elijah Mitchell. You know, let Sermon yeah. start. He can take some of the carries. Then Mitchell can come in as the kind of change of pace guy who's supposedly lightning fast and, and do his damage that way. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some more of the individual player props and we'll do our nuke block of the week before we go after the break. 
back here on the gold standard podcast all right michelle let's get into some of these individual player props here i love props i don't know why like i I feel like I have a better chance of getting one tiny individual prop right than something like the spread or the overall over under for the game, which I know is totally ridiculous because I clearly don't. But for some reason in my head, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. I'm all about the player props. I think like the most obvious ones, I'm like, oh, I have this in the bank. And then, you know, it doesn't hit. I'm like, it seems so obvious. How did it not hit? But Vegas knows. So the first guy I want to focus on is Debo Samuel, who I thought looked fantastic in week one. Uh, Leo Luna had the stat of the week, I felt like, when he pointed out that Debo, I believe, had six, five or six targets of 10 or more yards down the field last week. He only had eight of those targets all of last season. So I like the fact that they're trying to maybe use him as more of a traditional wide receiver as opposed to just like a guy that they run jet sweeps with and reverses with and stuff like that. The over-under for yards on the game for Debo is 58 and a half. Where are you going? That's low, but they the Falcons did keep Calvin Ridley to only 51, which I would say Calvin Ridley is a better overall. The um, Eagles kept Calvin Ridley. Diva. Yeah, the Eagles did. Sorry. Um, and then also, we this is the big thing of this. The Lions defense is like the worst. They were the worst <laughs> last year. You know, Debo is being covered by uh, Jeff Okuda for most of the game before he got injured. He was the worst corner in the entire NFL last year, according to PFF with their coverage grade. So, and Debo's a fantastic wide receiver. So he's going to beat a guy out like that who's just terrible in coverage. And that's what he beat out Okuda there to get his long touchdown. Mm-hmm. I do think Ayuk will be more involved. Uh, my goodness. I don't know. That's a hard line. I might, there. I think they scheme him touches and he's so good after the catch. I'm still going to take the over there. But I don't, I think I, I see more closer to 80 yards than I do him getting anywhere close to what he did last year last week so let me ask you this what do you feel better about the over under on yards being 58 and a half or the over under on catches at five and a half i feel better about the catches i I think they'll get him like i said they're they're going to get him involved they're going to scheme him touches i just don't know you know what that will turn into the the iuk thing is fascinating to me because you're right if iuk has a big game you're probably not going to get two big games from the niners wide receivers usually it's kind of like one one or the other you know, Debo said going into the season that he felt the best he has felt since he's gotten to the NFL, including his rookie year. I mean, he sure looked like it in week one. So I hope it, they keep it going because he's he's just fun to watch. They get him the ball and it's like, look out. He will just absolutely oh, yeah. dominate you. Oh, he's one of the most fun wide receivers to watch. He's tough. He's not going to let anyone bring him down uh, without putting up a fight like he. He's a fun guy to watch. I'll just I have to see what he can do against, you know, not the worst corner in the NFL. That's fair. Uh, George Kittle over under on yards, 68 and a half. I actually thought they could have got the ball to Kittle a little more in week one. Did you see? I don't know if you saw the still photo. It's fantastic. He catches the ball against the Lions and he's trying to break a tackle. And it looks like a stiff arm. But when you actually look at the picture, George Kittle has a fist. So it's a punch. (laughs) Basically, Kittle's just punching people out there on the field as he runs down. Like the Eagles linebackers are terrible. They should absolutely use George Kittle to capitalize on that. He, to me, should have, you know, between 80 and 100. So I, if they don't, if he doesn't hit the over, I'll be frustrated. Yeah, I'm taking the over there. I mean, his average is the over. He gets like 75 receiving yards a game. Uh, got close to that last week. I, I Or actually, yeah, he got over that 78 receiving yards. I, I'm taking the over there. I'll never bet against my dude, George Kittle. You know, he's, he's, he's too good. 
for the 49ers, that those are the biggest ones. Um, those are the most interesting ones to me. The Kittle, Debo, the Ayuk stuff, like I said, is off the board, so we can't really know. Let's flip it over and go to the other side because we talked about the 49ers defense, how they're so banged up in this one. They're down a lot of guys. The Jalen Hurts passing, or actually we'll start with the rushing yardage for this game. Jalen Hurts rushing yardage for the game is 48 and a half yards. To me, if the Eagles are going to have any shot to win, he's got to go over that. Like he needs to use his legs a lot because I feel like Bosa and Ford are going to rush and get up the field so fast. There's going to be rush lanes for for Jalen Hurts. To me, I don't see any way he doesn't go at least 50 rushing yards. Yeah, I think he'll definitely get that, but I don't think that's the only way he can win. I, I I don't think you're I think you're discounting he's a good passer, right? And I said that coming into the season. It was a terrible situation for him last year. Now I I don't know if the 49ers will be able to create pressure on him. The 30 quarterback pressure percent last week for the 49ers, middle of the league, but they did blitz nine times, which is quite a lot compared to everyone else. You know, they had 18 quarterback pressures. Like to compare, the Steelers only blitzed twice and they also had 18 quarterback pressures. So and you have so many injuries right now uh, on the defense and on that defensive line. I think they might struggle because the Eagle, the Eagles offensive line is really, really, really good. And you can't blitz Jalen Hurts too much because like you said, he's going to take off. Now, I did think Hurts had way more opportunities to run last week, and he didn't take them, and he still you know, was over 48 rushing yards, so I'd take the over there. But I think this is going to be a really, really hard matchup for the Eagles who are struggling, in, or for the 49ers who are struggling in their secondary right now. Bosa actually said, yeah, on Thursday, that uh, his scouting report on Jalen Hurts is that he's not looking to run. Like, he uses his legs to extend the play, but he's still looking downfield as opposed to Kyler Murray, who we said always wants to take off and run. So uh, that'll be an interesting factor, too. I, I think Hurts will have options either way. I think that the Niners secondary is beat up right now, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager are going to be able to get away, especially, you know, if if Hurts can create a little extra time for them. But if if Hurts wants to run as well, I think he's going to have options. I think of all the props, the over the 48 and a half rushing yards to me, I think I, that's the one I'm most comfortable with. What do they have Devontae Smith at for receiving yards? Because I, th- I think this matchup is very interesting. You know, the rookie Lenore, he held his own last week and he's looked good in the preseason. Now he was covering guys like Trinity Benson, like guys that we never <laughs> heard of in our life. So this will be a much harder matchup and it'll tell us for real. Like, is this dude for real, for real? I'm excited to see this matchup. Where does Vegas have Smith at for receiving yards? They have him at 49 and a half, which seems low to me. It does, but you know, they know, they know what they're talking about, right? So they're giving a lot of credit to this 49er secondary, even with all the injuries. Um, He had 71 last week and he wasn't utilized all that much. And they, you know, they were leading by quite a lot into the fourth quarter. So they weren't passing. I would take the over on that. It's all overs, right? We're going over, 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 over. So hey, we I, don't I like make the, the line. We only make the call. <laughs> the thing about Smith is like they're going to get him touches either on screens or drop passes like we saw last week. They they are finding ways to get him the ball in space. And so he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this game. And I, I could honestly see him getting more than 49 and a half on one play. Like I think there's going to be opportunities deep down the field. Lenore did look good. You're right. But he's not a fast guy he runs one of the slower 40 times he was a fifth round pick for a reason uh he played 90 snaps last week too that's 
he can't be feeling too and great. One thing to note is that, you know, Jared Goff wasn't really attacking them until the end of the game. Like he wasn't even looking at his wide receivers. It was TJ Hawkinson, which by the way, thanks Fred Warner. You made me look like an idiot. TJ no, Hawkinson went off. Thanks D'Amico Ryans. I was thinking of you the whole day. He had Warner in zone the whole time. What the hell? Well, the linebacker, both the linebackers, Aziz, I don't even know how to say his, how do you say his last name? Al Shire. Al Shire. They're, they're the ones that allowed the most yards in coverage. And it's because DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, you know, they were the only ones utilized basically in this offense. And then Jamal Williams had so many receptions as well. Uh, but Fred Warner did allow the most yards in coverage last week, 80, 80 receiving yards. So did not, it was- did not perform. It was a miserable, like, you know, it was week one for everybody. That's what I said. Maybe D'Amico Ryan's learned, like, how about instead of putting Jason Verrett on TJ Hawkinson, you put the best coverage linebacker in the league on him. Just just a thought, you know, maybe. And especially, like, Hawkinson was catching the ball early. It just didn't seem like there was any kind of adjustment there. So I I was thinking of you, and I was frustrated that whole time. Uh, If you're wondering, by the way, Dallas Goddard, 38 and a half is the over-under for receiving yards on him. Um, I, I hope that that we don't come out with that same game plan because I think he's going to hit the over on that. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of that depends on if Zach Ertz plays or not. He's kind of questionable to play. If he doesn't play, I like the over in that line. But Zach Ertz, you know, he still had 34 yards last week. He's still involved. He's still a fine player. Like, you got to give him credit where credit is due. And I, I don't – I would just stay away from that line. I, I think it's too low where he could definitely oh, – like – beat it but i i don't i don't want to take the over or under that's just a line i'm staying far away from i'm trying to find one do i want to take the under on is like there one under because i feel like you said we've gone over on everything jalen rager's at 34 and a half receiving yards um i don't know i don't What's know what elijah to make mitchell's going? rushing yards that could be under don't hate but, on my man elijah mitchell no no because i think trey sermon will be involved and michael hasty will be involved like like you said you think all of them will get around 10 carries so if that's the case elijah mitchell is going to have to bust one off um which he could yeah he had the 38 yard touchdown in week one uh it's not on the board i don't see it here for rush yards debo samuels at five and a half if that interests you but i don't <laughs> see anything for trey sermon or elijah mitchell on DraftKings. they don't they don't do sacks do they because I do think that the the Eagles will get to Jimmy Garoppolo and bring him down a few times. When the 49ers played the Eagles last year, now Jimmy didn't play because he was hurt, but it was basically the same offensive and defensive lines. The Eagles had 15 quarterback hits, not pressures, Damn. 15 hits. It was rough. And Trent Williams even had a bad game. So the, the Eagles front can get after it a little bit. And that's going to be the big thing for me is – what does Jimmy Garoppolo do when he gets pressured? Because he basically was clean all last week. He really didn't face that much pressure at all. Uh, but when he did, he was able to shuffle his feet and extend the play. So that was encouraging. But it's going to be much, much tougher this week. And I also wonder if he is under a bunch of pressure, does Kyle Shanahan say, you know what? Forget it. Trey Lance, like get in there and run around and do some things. So I'm interested interested to see how that works out. And it's really nice they have Trey Lance in practice this week. Uh, you would think they have him in more for the defense to, you know, they have to be running those plays to, you know, to contain Trey Lance because they're going to have to contain Jalen Hurts. It's nice they have that type of quarterback in practice. Hopefully they're utilizing him correctly. Uh, but 
yeah, you know, we could see Trey Lance come in this game a little bit more if we if we see the Eagles, you know, Jalen Hurts doing his thing, Jimmy Garoppolo can't keep up. We could see Trey Lance. What do you think is the biggest um, the biggest thing that the 49ers have to do this week in order to beat the Eagles? I clearly think they're a better team than you do, but yes. what's the one what's the one focus you think the 49ers have to do to in order to win this game? I think they have to protect Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, whatever quarterback is there. Like 15 quarterback hits, that's ridiculous. They just have to do a better job than that. It's it's not like the Eagles have amazing pass rushers. They they have some solid players, but you got to be able to block. All they need to do is just give Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, a few seconds to throw the ball and he seems to be able to function and there's no excuse not to do it. You're supposed to be, you know, I think a top team in the NFC. The Eagles are not a top team in the NFC. I know it's another game on the road, but you stayed in West Virginia all week. Go out and handle your damn business. I will say, I think the Eagles and the 49ers right now in the NFC are kind of equal. I I think you're a little bit higher on the 49ers. I think they're going to be really good. And I do think this game matters so much. Teams that went 2-0 last year, nine of them went to the playoffs, right? Only two teams that started 2-0 did not. It was the Raiders and the Cardinals, which the Cardinals just, you know, they didn't. They fell apart at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. And the Raiders are just the Raiders. But (laughs) if you start 2-0, I mean, it's obvious. This is a stupid statement to make, but you have a great chance of making the playoffs. So this game is highly important for both of these teams. Um, And I just kind of think they're in the same spot right now. Both, uh, have this awesome opportunity they're the renewed teams um you know they just have to stay healthy and the 49ers are not doing that so far but hopefully they can get through this game completely healthy with who they have and for the record before the 49ers had these injuries you predicted that the eagles were going to win this game months ago i remember yeah. it distinctly so if i will give you credit if the eagles pull it out because you have been on the philly train you know, it's so funny. You have been on the Philly train for a while, and I host uh, the NFL show with Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, and he's been down on the Eagles, down on the Eagles, and I keep telling him, Michelle says the Eagles are going to be pretty good. <laughs> and then right before week one, he goes, you know, there's some really good vibes with this Eagles team right now. And I just wanted to be like, Michelle saw it. Where were you? Hey, they look good last week. We'll see if they can. This is a much harder matchup than last week, but both teams have a much harder matchup than last week. I think we're going to learn so much about both teams this week to see if they're actually for real, for real. Can they, are they contenders to push for a playoff spot? Uh, So I I don't think we got to learn a whole lot about either group uh, last week. Besides Jalen Hurts really looked good. Like that's what I thought we learned. I thought Jimmy Garoppolo looked really good. So the two quarterbacks have it going for them. Let's see if they can make it a second good game in a row. And it would be really nice for the 49ers to start off 2-0 because they have Green Bay on Sunday night football in week three. I have always said I think the 49ers are going to win that game, but, you know, obviously you never know. And then I believe it's Seattle after that. Like the schedule stiffens up a little bit. It would be great if the 49ers could get through their first three games at worst 2-1. and one. Uh, We'll find out, obviously, as we go along here. Uh, before we go, Michelle, I want to get my new block in. My new clock goes out to Ed Saldana. And this Ed tweeted me earlier this week. And here's what he said. Knowledgeable 49er fans follow Lombardi, Matt Mayoko, and Matt Barrows for realistic, informative, and fact-based reporting. 
fools like Grant Cohn and Stats on Fire cater to the preteen, reactionary, fantasy, real football, illiterate demographic. Oh, my goodness. Let me just say for the record that this guy, Ed, is clearly one of those fans that just wants everybody to wave the pom-poms and doesn't like any criticism of his team. Here's my problem, Michelle. He follows me. He follows me (laughs) on Twitter. So he is calling himself someone that caters to preteen reactionary fantasy real football literate demographic like how are you going to say that and then follow me on twitter yeah this is what the trolls do you know it happens all of the time they like to just follow you to send those hate messages when they see you tweeting about anything he wants you to just be completely blinded to any weaknesses that the 49ers might have and just be positive which by the way i think you're being overly positive about the team um, right. as a fan so i don't I, I don't know i think you are being plenty nice enough to them uh, but you also have to talk about where they might have weaknesses and they exist for every single team right unless you're a chiefs reporter or you work for the chiefs <laughs> then you really have no reason to complain ever uh but yeah you, you got to bring up the bad with the good just because your team wins doesn't mean everything is perfect. And just because you have a good team doesn't mean they make really good decisions all the time. Like this Brandon Ayuk thing is ridiculous and it deserves it's to really- be called ridiculous. You know, just because they won in week one, like that doesn't change that. And I'm sorry if people think that's negative. I love the 49ers. Look at my background. Well, you can't see the background, but I got all sorts of 49ers crap in the background. I've lived in Connecticut my whole life. I've been a 49ers fan since I was five years old. I love this team, but I want them to be better. And I feel like the only way for them to be as good as they can be is if you hold them accountable when they do stupid things. I'm sorry if you think that's negative, but that's just the way I am. Yeah, this whole Brandon Ayuk thing just created so much drama around the team, like for no reason whatsoever. Like Shanahan just... The way he answered the question, like the offensive coordinator, I I keep saying just offensive coordinator. Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Uh, He said he answered correctly. Right. Just mentioned the injury, said now he's fully healthy. Like he'll he'll be back. Like that's all you had to say, even if he's not utilized as much next week either. But like, don't bring down the dude in. And I don't know. This was this was very weird to me. It was unnecessary. And I I think it was a bad look, bad look for Shanahan this week. It is weird. If you go back to last season after Ayuk had the best game of his life, Shanahan said literally in the postgame press conference, I think he took a step backwards tonight, which blew me away. And then remember, I don't know if you remember, Michelle, Jimmy Garoppolo's interception in the preseason game. He threw it high to Ayuk over the middle. I thought it was a super high pass. I thought it was a terrible throw by Jimmy. Kyle Shanahan got in the press conference and said he blamed Ayuk for the interception. So, like, I don't know what's going on there. When he drafted Ayuk, he was celebrating. He said it was like his, yeah. you know, highest rated receiver. Something has soured there. And it just seems oh, to be different. Really, he now. doesn't like the person or something. I don't know what in the world happened, but once he doesn't like you, he doesn't like you. And I don't know if this is like his tactic to try to make him a better player, but yeah, I already tried that once with Dante Pettis and it destroyed him as a player. Now, <laughs> like he was looking pretty decent and then you attacked him in front of everyone in the media and it destroyed him as a player. Maybe you don't try that same thing again with Brandon Ayuk. It, it didn't work the first time. Why don't you just be supportive, uh, be a coach, do it all behind the scenes do whatever you got to do uh but yeah just i don't i don't think that's gonna work to make brandon Ayuk a better player like he was already pretty great last year as a rookie let him do his thing 
Can we have a good wide receiver, please? I feel like since Terrell Owens left the 49ers, they haven't really had a good one. I think they've had like, if you go back and look at the last five 1,000 yard receiving seasons for the 49ers, the fifth one is Jerry Rice, who retired like 20 years ago. Like, it's it's ridiculous. We can have good wide receivers here. Just let these guys play. And, and hopefully this whole thing goes away. You know, Ayuk starts this week against the Eagles, goes out, balls out, has a couple of touchdowns, and, and this whole thing is gone. But, you know, like it's going to literally start snap one when we see who's out there for the wide receivers. Yeah. And I feel like at this point, Shanahan might just say, well, I got to stick to my guns now. You know, he can't like, did he really prove himself to be better than Sherfield in three days? Like that's all it took was three days to prove that when you had the whole off season. So either Shanahan's going to look stupid if Ayuk starts or this whole thing was just stupid, which hopefully that's what it was. (laughs) Right. That's a good point. Like what (laughs) has Brandon Ayuk done over the last three days in practice? Oh, now he's the starting wide receiver. Yeah. (laughs) Unless Sherfield like has fallen off of a cliff. You're right. The whole thing is dumb. He should just come out in a three wide receiver set and start all three. And then that's going to be the end of that. (laughs) All right, yeah, that's going to exactly. do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. Again, if you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Drop us a rating and a review. So, for the record, Michelle, the spread is Niners minus three. Where are you going? Uh, I, they're giving points to the Eagles. I, I want to root for the 49ers. So, you know, I always take what I want to root for. But I, I think, you know, if I'm giving advice to bet, I would take the Eagles plus three. If you think it's going to be a close team, a close game, I always take the team that's getting points. I just yeah. seem like, you know, I always will take points over not taking them. I talked to Aton Shander from Bleeding Green Nation yesterday, and what he said was, and I thought this was interesting, you never take the Philly crowd out of the game. I think it's going to be a very hostile environment. What he said was, if you start kicking ass, the crowd just starts to boo the Eagles. They never shut up. <laughs> you just turn yeah. the crowd against them. The 49ers have a chance to do that. If they can get a couple three and outs with Jalen Hurts early and run the ball and move the ball down the field and get into the end zone a couple times, you could start to turn that crowd because I think it's going to be a rough environment. Um, I'll take it could be crazy because this is the first home game. And I mean, I know they played yes. home last year, but the first home game with fans with fans a very long time going to be interesting for sure. I asked Aton, what's the temperature of the town on a scale of one to 10? He said a thousand. So <laughs> they're clearly going to yeah, be pumped they had up. Week one, like last, last year was so disgusting, but they had week one to kind of get that taste out of their mouth. And now yep. they actually have hope that their team can be good. So I, I think it's going to be loud and it's going to be rough. And the 49ers are going to have to silence that crowd in a way, you know, like they have to put them against the Eagles basically is what you just said. Uh, but quickly, they're going to have to come out and immediately make some plays. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a crazy environment, especially if they can get a couple of sacks early on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like it could easily snowball. It's going to be a great game. I'll take the Niners and give the points. I don't feel great about it. I'm not going to lie. I really don't. Um, this, you know, this game could come down to a kick. And, you know, my thoughts on Robbie Gold, who, oh, yeah, P.S. missed one already again last week. Uh, but we'll hey, see. But he had a 55 yarder, didn't he? How far was that? 50. He something. did. He, I think he hit one 52 yarder and he missed a 52 yarder. So it's like, mm, okay. Uh, I still don't but have any faith hard. in him. 50 plus is hard. You can give them, give him a break for miss, missing a 50 yarder. Yeah. Especially when you're 39 years old and the oldest kicker in the league. All right. Enjoy the game. Everybody want to remind you after the game, remember we will do the instant reaction show on the Niners nation, YouTube channel. It'll stream on there. It'll stream on Twitter as well. Uh, It's a 
kind of an informal thing. We vent, we talk, I take your questions. So please join us on that. We also turn that into a podcast that'll be waiting for you on Monday morning as well. Enjoy the game and we'll talk to you next week. Bye y'all. 